Call the meeting to order. Ms. Troublefield, will you please take the roll call? Mr. Cathell? Here. Mr. Collins? Mr. Fritz? Here. Dr. Hattier? Here. Mr. Layfield? Here. Ms. Moses? Here. Mr. Peden? Here. Mrs. Pryor? Here. Dr. Statler? Here. Mrs. Wright? Here. We have a quorum. Is there a motion to go into executive session? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? We are now in executive session. I'd like to reconvene public session. 3.02, approval of agenda for February the 28th. Is there a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 3.03. Can I ask everyone to please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and the presentation of color? may be seated. Three point oh four, student government. Hello. 
My name is Harley Tidwell and I'm here on behalf of the student government here at Sussex Central just to give some insight as to what's going on around the school. So today marks the first day of spring sports for the 2022 season and as winter sports come to an end we've had some success at the state level. Over the weekend freshman wrestler Malachi Stratton earned his title as state champion at 106 pounds. Uh, in the state prelims for boys swim our 200 medley relay school record was broken. The members of the relay team were Chet Mariner, Matthew Smith, Braden Wright, and Peyton Harmon. In the state finals for boys swim, junior Braden Wright placed second in the 100 fly and third in the 100 back. And senior Maddie McTeer placed fourth in the girls swim finals for the 50 free and fifth in the 100 free. Both Braden and Maddie earned the DIAA academic record academic award, sorry. Um, our newly formed competition cheer team has won first place at their last two competitions and will, event, and will attend the state competition next weekend. This is actually their first season competing, so we're very excited about that. Um, our mock trial team is preparing for the state competition, which will be the weekend of March 4th in Wilmington, and we are wishing them good luck. Our um, Take Two Drama Club has had a successful showing of Fools by Neil Simon earlier this month, and they're now preparing for the spring showing of High School Musical, so be sure to be on the lookout for tickets coming up. Our Educators Rising Club attended the state conference and competition last weekend, earning 13 medals. Four of these medals were gold, which means that these students are national qualifiers, and they will attend the national competition in Washington, D.C. later in June. And lastly, but certainly not least, um, the International Baccalaureate Program has had a lot of success with the seniors this year. Um, between eight students, there's been acceptances to 29 different colleges, earning over $1 million in total scholarships so far. And this number will continue to increase throughout the spring as we continue to hear back. And that's about it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, do I have a motion to approve the regular meeting minutes from January the 24th and the executive session minutes from January the 24th? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Uh, approval for the special meeting minutes from February 11th and approval for the special meeting executive session minutes from February 11th. Is there a motion? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Recognition. Dr. Owen. Thank you, Mr. Layfield. We do have several recognitions this evening, all from Sussex Central. So I'd ask that Principal Dr. Layfield uh, join us on the stage here uh, for those recognitions. Thank you, Dr. Owens. We do have several recognitions. Our fall sports obviously ended you know, in uh, November, December, but our December board meeting was over uh, Christmas break after we had already uh, 
stop convening, so I think many of our student, our student athletes and other students would not have been able to attend. So this includes folks from the fall all the way up through uh, everything short of some of those competitions that uh, Harley Tidwell just mentioned earlier. They'll be recognized in, in April. So to start, we will have our Delaware All-State Senior Honors Band, those recipients this year. And uh, uh, many are able to join us, some were not, because these students are involved in many, many things. But for the, Sussex, or for the Delaware All-State Senior Honors Band, we have David Bohenick, Liberty Hanser, and Kylie Yaus. <laughs> Don't go too far, I'll mention that. Next is our Delaware All-State Junior Honors Band, uh, Jake Darmstetter. Don't go so far either. Uh, for our Sussex County Senior Honors Band, uh, Nicholas Abels, David Bohenick, Joe Conrad, Liberty Hanser, Maya Jones, Thomas Zolcik, uh, Alyssa, or excuse me, Allison Lopez Juarez, Anthony Mills, Naomi Mota Martinez, Kelvin Ventura Velasquez, and Kylie Yaus once again.
Excellent. And our junior Sussex County Honors Band, once again, Jake Darmstetter. All right, next are Delaware All-State Honors Choir, uh, Nicholas Abels and Joe Conrad once again. Should have told you not to go so far. <laughs> Don't go anywhere, Nick. Uh, next is our Sussex County Honors Chorus, which includes Nick Abels, Caitlin Meganson, Melvin Cruz, Joe Conrad, uh, Layla Lockerman, uh, Brianna Whitman, and Casey Timmons. Congratulations. All right, from performing arts now to our fall athletics. First is our first team all-conference athletes from the sport of field hockey, McKenna Boyle and Kiana Kelly. For the sport of boys soccer, we have Anthony Prado Moreno. Gabino Escobar Lopez, Carrie Perez Perez, Jerry Velasquez Mazariegos, and Ibrahim Leva Fajaco. <laughs> and finally, from the sport of volleyball, if she's with us, uh, Bree Reed. All right, and our first team All-State uh, recognition for the sport of boys soccer, Anthony Prado Moreno and Gabino Escobar Lopez. 
Bree Reed, once again for volleyball. She couldn't be with us, but I'll mention she was also the Gatorade Player of the Year. And for the sport of football, All-State, P.J. Henry, and once again, Ibi, uh, Ibrahim Leva Fahako. All right, and uh, congratulations. This year, the sport of football was divided into three districts, so they were not included for all conference, but the first team all district football players, Kevon Moore Bridell, Lane Leatherbury, PJ Henry, and EB, don't go too far, Ibrahim Leva Fohako. As he's walking up, I'll also note that as a sophomore, E.B. did set a school record with a 47-yard field goal this season. Congratulations. And finally for athletics, what I consider one of the most prestigious awards that we give are the academic all-conference. This includes a straight A average for the various sports. Please do hold your applause to the end. In the sport of football, Matthew Harmon. In boys soccer, Jordi Ortiz Ramirez, Elder Roblero Morales, Ricardo Roblero Perez, Jesus Ch Sanchez Pulido, Jerry Velasquez Mazariegos. In the sport of fall cheerleading, Reagan Burton, Lyle Jackson, Sierra, Sierra Sabia. In the sport of cross country, Jackson Dutton, Austin King, Cade Mason, Essence Bridell Moore, Evelyn Velasquez Velasquez, Mary Villarreal, Duncan Winger. In field hockey, Jocelyn Cole, Kiana Kelly, Cameron Sockrider. And in volleyball, Kirsten Anderson, Olivia Fox, Katherine Hassler, Kylie McGee, Madeline McTeer. First team academic all-conference.
congratulations. And finally, last but not least, my apologies, this should have actually been recognized in October from this past summer's FFA state competitions, better late than never. We have three teams that took first place in the Delaware FFA career development winners. First was our forestry team of Libby Hausman, Joanna Ramon Rendon, Katie Meganson, and Samantha Stong. Congratulations. Next, our first place science fair team, Molly Gartman and Mary Jane Marshall. Congratulations. And finally, our individual science fair winner, Allison Weldon. Awesome night of recognition. Now we come to the time of the meeting for public comments. Dr. Owens, is there a few people signed up to speak this evening? Yes, as a reminder, there is three minutes uh, per individual, and our first person signed up is Heather Perfetti. Good evening. I am Heather Perfetti, proud sister of Christina Perfetti, the former principal of Howard T. Ennis, who passed away on February 2nd, 2021. My ask here today is simple. I want appropriate outreach and programming for children in this district who lose a parent so that they have the support that they need and deserve from the teachers, administrators, staff, and this board. 
This is what most reflects my sister's legacy, and it is what she worked every day in your district to provide. I regret having to stand here at all, but I think it is important for educators, especially governing bodies and administrators, to be held accountable, and I believe in the basic concept that promises made should be promises kept. The experiences that I have had since my sister's passing demonstrate that additional work is needed in this district, which I have shared with Jay Owens on multiple occasions. Greater levels of professional development are needed in the area of approaching students holistically, especially with children who experience significant loss. This should not be the exception or require an overly involved family member. It should simply be the norm. I can assure you it is not. As you know, we as her family took immediate steps to memorialize her legacy in ways that benefited this district. It started with her obituary, where we asked for and received donations for Howard T. Ennis. Donations came from people who never met her, but knew our family, as well as from those who knew and loved her. My family authorized the Memorial Golf Tournament and we participated in it with the proceeds benefiting Howard T. Ennis children and families. I spoke at the commencement ceremony of Howard T. Ennis because it was the first ceremony where my sister would be absent and her students and staff needed us to stand in her stead. We did all of this because we wanted to honor her legacy in ways we thought this district would also do so. But can you imagine a principal so lauded for her caring approach to families in crisis, left behind a family trying to navigate services alone where none were offered, or if offered, with no follow-through in the very district where she served as a public servant. If we were met with neglect on this front, what treatment do others receive? When I have more than three minutes, I am happy to share details. We also made every effort to ensure that the board, administrators, and her staff could pay their respects and say goodbye to her at the funeral home when the pandemic was restricting visitors. Jay Owens presented a proclamation from the governor of this state, which was pursued by former Secretary of Education, Susan Bunting. Days later, we received proclamations from both the Delaware House and Senate. Some of you as board members were at my sister's services because we were gracious enough to include you, unlike what occurred at the topping off ceremony this fall for the new Howard Tiennes facility, where we were unaware of the ceremony and an invitation to us never arrived. I was three minutes up the road at home that day. But perhaps most tragic is her son sat across the street in this very building watching it from afar. While the district Facebook posts were flowing to alert us to what was happening without us. I picked my nephew up that day, we sat in this parking lot and we looked at that lifted beam. I have offered to be a part of any programming that can better ensure my sister's legacy lives on through the children and families within this district. I will be here waiting. Jason Pilgrim.
Good evening, everyone. I'm sure as an employee here in the Indian River School District that I can definitely understand and appreciate what the governor's announcement today has done for you and what will be happening later in this meeting. But I do want you, no matter what you guys vote on or decide on later in this meeting as far as masking or masking optional or whatever like that, please remember that we do have families, we do have students, and we do have staff members who probably will choose to wear masks and personal protective equipment gear for the rest of the school year and um, help the teachers to still have access to mass breaks at their discretion and personal protective equipment in their classrooms at their discretion as well. Thank you. And lastly, Deborah, I'm sorry with the last name here. Dubert, okay, thank you. My name is Deborah Dubert. I am a bus driver for a private contractor. Although I begin with revelation of a specific incident that occurred on my bus, my purpose is not to rehash same. However, let it be known that I absolutely disagree with the consequences, actually the lack thereof, that were meted out to the student. But just a brief rehash so that you all know where I'm coming from. On the day in question, the kids were wound up. After a short time on the run, in my mirror, I saw a lunchbox in the air. The act was the summit of several minutes of horseplay by several students. When I took my eyes off the road and locked them on the rearview mirror, I saw the student I rode up involved in the horseplay. I stopped the bus, took the lunchbox and the hat of another student, and tossed both items up to my seat. My goal was to limit temptation. FYI, this latter act resulted in me being told that I was accused of throwing the lunchbox at a student. I get it that I may have missed some actions that might have skewed my knowledge of everything and everyone involved that led up to what I saw. There were about 30 other kids in the bus. <coughs> On the discipline form turned in, I wrote disruptive behavior, hanging in the aisle, lunchbox thrown, and I added in parentheses on the form, likely not by him, and ended with displaying unsafe behavior. Moving on, when I followed up requesting an update and I saw that the student got a slap on the wrist for something I had not even seen him do, throwing a piece of paper out the window, and that albeit no matter the fact that the student might not have been the person who actually launched the lunchbox, again, as I so stated in my report, the student's associative disruptive behavior was far more serious than getting written up for throwing a piece of paper out the window. And if it was not the student that I wrote up as being the one directly responsible for throwing the lunchbox, the tape showed that someone did. This was the incident on that day. I'm not looking for a pound of flesh. I'm looking for there to be tangible <coughs> substance to the notion of supporting bus drivers. I clearly understand where the lines are drawn. When you get right down to it, the district farms out work with the purpose of reducing cost but as important, the board's goal is in this arena is to limit potential expensive liability and driving is as big as it gets. People do not want to drive because the pay is not commensurate with the risk, but that's not what this is about. And the tolerance bar of acceptable behavior is absurd. A driver who is involved in an accident, say that lunchbox, that airborne lunchbox, hit me in the head and I lost control of the bus and somebody died as a result of that. 
there's going to be a lot of people standing here in front of you. This is what is a problem with this kind of a job. Drivers and aides need to see that the school policies punish the students with an act that has an impact. You need to make transportation a real privilege, not a right. Wake up and understand that administrative consequences an administrative conference has no impact. Kids know they're going to only get a slap on the wrist. After all, armed officers are in the schools to protect the school personnel and students, but drivers get to deal with writing up discipline forms for those same kids that just left the school. 15 seconds. You have all allowed the tolerance bar to go way up and the kids know it. So take note that the conduct report also advises that a student can be written up eight times. I have no cure-all, unfortunately, but I have some suggestions. Talking to bus drivers, parents, students in an unscripted meeting and ask for their input on priority of safety, delineating typical bus behavior that's often a segue to disruptive behavior and solicit input on types of consequences for bad behavior. Possibly any bus that transports over a certain number of students dictates the need for an aid. Also making sure that every bus has working cameras. Additionally, drivers can be bad. Their behavior too, thankfully, due to the onboard cameras, is subject to review, discipline, and termination. And FYI, that happens a lot quicker for a driver than it does for a student. Thank you. Can I ask a question on that one? I thought we decided we were gonna do something about the eight write-ups and knock it down to four. I know we've had meetings with our contractors and drivers. I'm not sure where we are in terms of the matrix, Karen. Do you have any update on? So yeah, we did um, talk to our school leaders around consistency with the matrix, so looking at prior incidents and issuing progressive discipline. Okay, that's fine, but eight is absurd. Okay, when I was a kid, I had three shots at it, and the third one, Sergeant Hattie, or disciplined me. Why are we allowing eight? We've had this come up with other drivers before, several months back, and I, I kind of thought we were going to be handling this. Mr. Tidwell, thank you. It's not eight. That is an old form, the updated form that we have now that has been updated, has been handed out, that has been eliminated. The most that that form has is six. Yes, six is a lot. It is not eight, just to clarify. Thank you, Sean. Just a little bit better. <laughs> I guess we take what we could get, okay, but this, this is a, a continuous theme that we've been hearing now for quite a few months. I agree. Okay. There are several board meetings in a row we've been discussing discipline on yeah. the buses, so. Okay, six is still too high. I agree. Transportation period is unbelievable. Issue. Yes, it is. Okay, <clears throat> new business. 6.01, school choice applications for 2021-2022. Mr. Lewis. Good evening, everyone. Good On your board docs this evening for 21-22, you will see a total of six school choice applications. We are asking to accept all six of those. Those applications have been vetted by the building principals. And as you can see, going through that document, they are priority one um, returning students. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 6.02, school choice applications 2022-2023, sir. This is the first round of school choice applications for the <coughs> upcoming school year, 
As you can see, there are a total of 64 school choice applications. These applications have been vetted by the building principals, and we are asking to accept all 64 of these applications. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 6.03, 2022-2023, transportation plan. Thank you. As we uh, presented last month, we have uh, looked at our transportation plan for the 22-23 school year and made some recommendations for uh, travel times, which do impact the start and end times at our school. So uh, if we could, a review of that plan, Mr. Tidwell, if you could join us at the podium and again, give us an overview of the plan for potential board action this evening. Okay, as we shared um, with this process, we started this <clears throat> back in January, where we went to, uh, went to policy and we talked about, we needed to uh, look at our transportation plan due to a lot of factors, mainly the issues that we have concerning growth and traffic in the area. We went through and established, uh, you know, I'm gonna give you the quick version, where we determined that we needed to uh, move East Millsboro and Phillips Shout to late schools, which would then open up the ability to use those buses in our areas of greater need, such as SDSA, where they will have their own buses, and Selbyville Middle on the southern end, and at the northern end, we would bring some buses that normally in the morning are serving East Millsboro to service Millsboro Middle and Sussex Central High School to work with the overcrowding in those areas. It will also equal the instructional time that we do not have at SDSA. So we will have a morning time with Sussex Central High School and Indian River High School will be morning schools. Georgetown Middle, Millsboro Middle, and Subbyville Middle will also be early schools. Our middle school, our middle time is North Georgetown due to the triple runs that we have in the Georgetown area. Late schools will be Georgetown Elementary, East Millsboro, Long Neck, John M. Clayton, Lord Baltimore, and Phillips Shaw. SDSA will have a full day, which will in turn have something that equalizes the instructional time with those buses. Howard Tianis, we're still looking at that basically because we're still looking at when we will open. So that is still in the air as far as how that's going to work. And then with our autism program at Georgetown Middle and Georgetown Elementary, is all a lot of that is contingent on with our Ennis. Early Learning Center, we will also equalize time, which our two times right now are not equal, but with the busing, we'll be able to give them, give TOTS in early learning their own buses. That way we're not trying to run from one area to another and basically have a transit bus that never shuts down. These key adjustments will align East Millsboro and Phillips Shaw with the other elementary schools. The adjustment allows for more buses to be assigned to Millsboro Middle and Sussex Central High School to address the overcrowding. The adjustment allows for more buses to be assigned to Selbyville Middle, Indian River High School, and Southern Delaware School of the Arts. And it evens out the school time across the district between six hours and 45 minutes. So the benefits, as I discussed, SDSA gets their own buses, Early Learning Center gets their own buses, the autism program at GE and GMS, which continues to grow, will have dedicated transportation for those students, which will free up our, some of the space on our Howard Tianis buses, which that program 
continues to grow will affect the increased capacity, especially in the growing area of the Millsboro area, which is growing faster than I can even keep up with on my mapping system, which is less than eight months old. And I have already got to draw in four developments that now have new roads that I can't keep up with. Um, so we will add some bus, you know, when you read that you read add, added bus routes, these are not new buses. It's basically new buses to that school where we're moving one bus from one area to help facilitate another area. As you can see, we have the times that are proposed, which shows the times where we move East and Phillips Shaw. What we have done, we've worked through a policy meeting in January, removed the PowerPoint with the uh, principals the first week of January. They shared out. I haven't received a lot of feedback. Everybody, the feedback I've received is very positive. Uh, presented at the last board meeting for discussion, and here we are for the board, you know, for action moving forward, which helps. So my next step, if this passes, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to request that my mapping software graduates all the students that are in the district right now, move them up a grade, I will adjust the times, and I will develop the routes now so that I can see in the software how this will work with these updated times. And from there, then I make the heavy adjustments with the contractors on what changes we need to make in order to facilitate this. So I will actually see it in, I'll see the routes, I'll see what kids we have. Now, honestly, you know, there's gonna be some that don't come back and there's gonna be some growth, but I will be able to see what it will look like moving forward. And then we can make adjustments as we move. It's very beneficial to be able to do that that I'll see what's coming forward and what changes I have to adjust for so that I'm not trying to do this the first week of September. You know, it gives me time, which I haven't had in the past. Any questions? Mr. Tidwell, some of these are significant time changes. Yes. Uh, even though there is significance to those time changes, is it as minimally intrusive as you can do? Yes. <clears throat> So you've kind of balanced it to, to strike a balance here. Yes. There's, you know, there's an hour and some odd minutes more on some of these changes, which are gonna impact families, but the sooner they know it, mm -hmm. and the more likely you can enter this to see where we need to balance. And this is a, you know, a good, good proposal, am I correct? Dr. Carey's been working with our, with our child care centers, making them aware, making them see what happened. She's had very good feedback with them moving forward. Dr. Uh, Ms. Dorman shared this morning that the YMCA's are working to try to get into our buildings to help us out with childcare. You know, we're putting a lot of things to try to put things in place to try to help our teachers where we're making these changes. I think it will benefit everyone. You know, we're, we've got to look at the greater good for the whole, the 360 square miles, all of our schools, you know. It's a moving two times will make a great impact but we have to be able to get these buses from one place to another in a timely and a safe manner. And that we don't want them rushing to and from. So that's where we're at. Making a decision out to the parents, notifying them March 1st, we'll have time to prepare for a September 7th start date. Exactly, that's our goal. Mr. Tidwell, thank, yes, sir. Yeah, thanks for uh, getting on this early. My only question is this, I haven't had a chance to go through each, each building. Yes. And I'm sure you've done the math, but I know there's a couple of buildings that looks like they're losing about 10 minutes of instruction time okay. during the day. 
like Sussex Central High School, they're first on the list, starting five minutes early, but getting out 15 minutes early. We're so still working with 645. We're still with, within that. They still have six hours and 45 okay. minutes of instruction. That's and right. it's going to be equal across their district. Okay. okay. You know, I think you've done that. the math on it already. Make yes. sure we were okay with required yes. for instruction time. Yeah, we've vetted that with, with Dr. Jones and Dr. You know, with Ms. Okay. Dorman. Yeah. Thanks. Um, one quick comment. Thank yes. you for pulling all this together. This is not easy. It's no. gotten certainly more complicated since I got on the board 21 years ago. Okay. Um, and I know we quote unquote have new software to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, your work is deeply appreciated. It's not getting any easier. And please don't misunderstand my comments about what I said about the, the recent speaker. Okay. It's not you. It's the building administrators failing to back you up. And that's where my frustration is. You're stuck in this too. All right, I do not hold you in any way responsible. I hold building administrators responsible. You know, and thank you. You know, on that on that note, you know, I've got things in place to try to establish these meetings that the drivers are asking for to work to work on that discipline policy. As I've shared with you before, that's on my plan to review, to update, to fix, to get rid of some of that gray, to make it easier for our administrators to look at that discipline policy, to make sure it's in line with the entire discipline policy so that we can get the discipline out in a timely manner and make sure that it actually has the teeth that it needs to have. Let's just get the building administrators now backing them up. Some kids need to be off the bus, I'm sorry to say that, and until the parents take responsibility for the actions of their kids, nothing is going to change. And if it takes kicking a kid off a bus multiple times for the parent to wake up and start controlling their kid, then so be it. It's a privilege, not I'm, a right. I'm just really, really tired of uh, our bus drivers taking crap, okay, because some kid who's a, who's a, uh, a kindergartner says, my daddy's going to kill you. And I heard that in the office the other day, all right? No bus driver needs to hear that kind of stuff. And it is up to us as the leaders to back those guys up. Any further discussion or questions? Is there a motion to accept the transportation plan for 2022-2023 school year? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Aye. Ms. Troublefield, please poll the board. Mr. Cathell? Uh, yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Mrs. Pryor? Yes. I mean, no. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Seven yes, one no, zero abstention. Passes by majority vote. Thank, Thank you, Mr. Tidwell. I'll keep you updated. Thank you. <laughs> 6.04, Howard Tiennis Technology Purchases. Yes, I think uh, Mr. Booth will get us started here, and I know uh, Mr. Ruggiero is with us, and uh, Tammy Smith as well. We may have some, some questions, and also I'd like to uh, thank Mr. Fern for being here with us as well this evening in case there's any questions. Mr. Booth. Okay. Um, this is a two-part uh, uh, process. In your board docs, there should be a summary of quotes from state vendors by technology department, um, Supervisor Charles Ruggiero. 
This is for purchases of technology-related equipment to satisfy Delaware procurement regulations for proprietary functions. The proposal is estimated to be around $513,268.09. It is budgeted for the NS construction funds and board approval is requested to place that order to help avoid any back order delays. And as Dr. Owens mentioned, Mr. Ruggiero is here and can answer any questions. This is the first part. Any questions from the board? We discussed this a lot at, at uh, our meetings, buildings and grounds, and I think we agreed at the mm -hmm. time that this was the right way to do it. Well, there's uh, two, two parts to it, Dr. Hattier. This was probably the easier part. The other part was uh, yep. considered uh, bid package B, and we'll get to that next. Yeah. Should we take action on them separately? We'll need a motion. Yes, please. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Second. First per Okay, motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Or passes by unanimous vote, sir. Continue on, Mr. Booth. Okay, proceeding to uh, part two in terms of the uh, technology purchase for Howard T. Ennis. The Ennis architects, Vernon Daniels, suggested to bypass the lengthy review process for bid packet B and skip to a formal bid through um, and skip the formal bid process that would happen through my marketplace. It is thought that the proposal will provide needed time to procure the items that have a long lead time. We ask for board approval for this process. Um, Fernick and Daniel uh, will bring quotes uh, from the state vendors and recommend these proposals to the board for approval uh, if this is accepted. Um, Ken Fern is here to discuss any questions you might have uh, regarding this change in procedure. So basically, we were going to advertise the technology um, part later on in the construction process to make sure that uh, what we purchased were not anything outdated, those types of issues. What developed was COVID, uh, lack of uh, being able to get materials to make uh, equipment, et cetera. And uh, it was, uh, became a, a little bit of concern as of late. So we're trying to address that by going through state contractors and getting quotes uh, for different parts of that bid package B that would have gone through the state and then bring them back for approvals uh, with a competitive bid, um, but using state vendors to do that bid process, I should say. The idea here was to try and jumpstart the process and get our equipment early and on time, correct? That's correct. And then I can bring Mr. Fern up here and he could probably elaborate if you, yeah. if you, if you would like. I think on the committee we felt this was not a bad idea because with the delays we've had in getting a lot of other equipment, um, this, this is a way of, of maintaining some kind of a timeliness schedule. As long as it doesn't violate state law, which I don't think it does, just keep nodding your head, thank you, okay, then we're in good shape, all right? Yes. So just to clarify, the last board meeting we asked approval to, to, um, to, to submit to OMB DFM for their review process, which we did, 
um, we're seeing with some of the delays in, in building materials. Uh, I talked to some of the state uh, GSS state vendors and asked if they saw any delays and they said they're, they're seeing some delays in, in different components. So to expedite the process so we're not delaying a construction, um, we can go directly into, uh, ask for quotes from vendors that are GSS approved state vendors, just like we did for the, the playground surfacing. Um, and as uh, Mr. Ruggiero's equipment uh, to get uh, direct quotes from these vendors, which would uh, take away the, the month-long review from OMBDFM, mm -hmm. and then from there it would go to Delaware Contracting. It would take two weeks to set up an advertisement, and then two weeks before we'd have a pre-bid, and then we'd have several weeks to bid the projects. So if we do this, what I'm uh, recommending is we do this, we can get quotes in on March 11th, uh, Friday, March 11th, be able to present those quotes to the building committee at the, at the next building committee meeting on the 14th, and then um, uh, have recommendations for the building committee uh, to present to the board at the next board meeting on March 28th. Thank, Thank you for that explanation. Mm -hmm. Just to clarify, that is legal under state law? That is legal under state law as long as it's a GSS approved Got vendor it. for the services okay. we're, we're asking for quotes on, which these are. Personally, I thank you for trying to figure out a way to save us some time and jumpstart the process. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. So Central High School design development drawing 6.05. Yes, Mr. President, as discussed in Buildings and Grounds Committee, uh, board approval is uh, needed to submit plans to state agencies for review and development construction develop and to develop construction documents um, for bid with the inclusion of the comments and uh, the regulations that have been suggested by those state agencies. Um, tonight there will be a brief presentation, uh, one that was made at Buildings and Grounds um, to the board and we request uh, two approvals in, in this. You could probably do one motion. One is the approval of the design development drawings, which you're going to see, and I believe some of them are on your board docs. I was able to send out about five of the seven uh, attachments uh, that I believe uh, Jen uh, uh, Troublefield put on board docs. Uh, the other ones are in front of you. And then also on your board docs, uh, which would be included into uh, that motion, is approval of the budget. So tonight we have um, Maureen uh, Rajinsky, uh, Brian Williams, and Sean Malloy here from ABHEA and BSA. And we also have uh, representatives from R.Y. Johnson in case there's any questions about that. So, Maureen, are you first? Okay. Is that in your mind? Thank you. Thank you for having us here this evening. Um, as Joe had mentioned, we're here to um, present to you the design development documents of which you have the full set of documents, but we wanted to give you a highlight, kind of a brief overview of what we've been doing over the past several months. So the last time we were here, we were at the schematic design level. So things were still very conceptual and still, you know, in a, um, in a state where it needed to be further refined. 
So what we've been doing over the last several months, um, what we call the design development phase, is really refining the plans, developing them further. Um, so as we're looking at the plans in front of you, um, really the, the main plan components have not changed. The general location of the plan and program components have not changed. But really it's kind of the meat that's in the documents that has been further refined. So the development of a lot of the exterior materials and details and wall sections has been further refined. Things like the ceilings, the flooring, the interior materials, casework, all of those um, pieces and components have been um, defined further and that's what R.Y. Johnson has then um, updated the budget to reflect as well. So um, I know you've, so again, the, the plans haven't changed significantly. They're here for reference, um, but really the first floor here and the second floor um, academic proportions are all the same as you've seen, but really what we wanted to show as those things have developed and as the interior and exterior materials and designs have evolved, we wanted to share those renderings with you um, so that you could see really what it looks like. You know, we've been looking at some um, plan views, but now you can get an interior glimpse of some of the interior spaces um, as well as the exterior as well. So Brian is going to um, share with you some of the exterior renderings. You've seen some of the conceptual stuff before. This is, as Maureen said, has, has come along and is, and is much, much further developed. Won't spend too much time on all of them for the sake of everyone's time tonight. But uh, what you're hopefully seeing is we're obviously it's a three-story building. We have we have a certain scale. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a distance away from the road. So we tried to have a, a civic presence. You've seen so we wanted some stone and and and, and assorted uh, trim pieces. But the majority of it's brick. So we're hoping that it has a, a blending with that's tied to the existing school. So we're hoping that that that, the material will do that. And then also you'll notice there's three stories, but really the brick only goes up two. So we're hoping that it's sort of a band that carries across and ties the two buildings together. So that's your main front facade, obviously the formal entrance. So we, you know, we wanted to make that, uh, evoke that. And then down below, and you could probably see them better in your, in your packet, is, are some views around the building. Um, you know, obviously this is a, a further, further away view showing how the two are connected. Uh, hopefully that, you know, that, that makes sense from the description before. Uh, this is the end, uh, the athletics end. See the, the uh, barrel roof there is the gym. Uh, we'll see it off to the right is, is the end of the classroom building that you'll see as you come in uh, from that approach. Uh, you see the back side is the activities entrance, um, and then you know, where, the, where the theater, gymnasium entrances, and all the associated parking for activities would be, trying to separate that from the more formal entrance on the front. And then the final image we have for you tonight is uh, basically a, a sort of secondary main entrance is to the theater complex, uh, which will be coming into this area here where the, where the two buildings will connect. There'll be a lot of work done in here and an and, and associated tie-in, but we thought it was worthy of a special entrance uh, for activities uh, related to, to theatrical and, and choral and band uh, performances. And I'll give a quick summary of the, the interior renderings you're seeing on the left side here. Um, at the very top uh, is the third floor and second floor commons. This is in the center section of the, the main academic wing. Um, a lot of light comes through that and, and comes all the way down all through all three stories. Uh, the image on the below that to the left is uh, a new theater lobby space. So that theater... Uh, as you would come through this entrance, yeah, as you that's come through where that. you would end up. <clears throat> yes. Um, and then uh, the picture next to that would be a 
a, a, a rendering of the, the new uh, theater renovation itself. Uh, the large picture at the bottom is your new gymnasium, uh, seats 2,500 people. Uh, the image on the right board at the top is your new cafeteria, big enough for 700 people. Um, what's unique about that is it has an operable partition between the two cafeterias, so just gives you better control about 360 people per, uh, per side. <coughs> Uh, the, the image below that to the left is a kind of dual purpose caf cafeteria space and collaborative space. So if there is overflow at the cafeteria, they could have a kind of a breakout space maybe for uh, seniors or, or teachers um, to, to dine in. The uh, image to the right of that is a, just a typical classroom. I wanted to show you what that would look like. Uh, very typical throughout the entire school. Uh, a lot of natural light in that space, seats 25 to 30 students. And then the two bottom images are um, <coughs> typical of the academic wing in itself. It's uh, just a large collaborative space outside of classrooms, um, just kind of giving you know, different options for learning, just breakout spaces. So uh, one of those images on the left is looking towards a steam room and a collaborative room. And the image to the right of that is looking uh, from the steam room out into that space. So very open, a lot of natural light into the middle of that corridor as well. Okay, um, as you can see, uh, we've come a long way since the charrette uh, display that we had on this stage uh, many months ago. Um, I'm not sure if you have any questions for the architects at this point. I'm told that there'll be two separate motions, one for design development and the other for the budget. And I'll have uh, Brad uh, uh, Cowan come up and speak uh, towards the budget. Is there any questions about the design development stage that was just presented? Really? 309,000 square feet? Hmm. Yeah, I'm being told not to encourage you to ask questions. But <laughs> there was quite a few of you at buildings and grounds, <laughs> yeah. So if there are no questions, we'll ask for a motion to approve the design development uh, drawings as presented and they'll proceed on to the state where the state will give uh, comment and direction to the district. Well, my question may be more in the budget, but I'll, but I'll bring it up now. We've got alternates that we have that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. The pictures we're not seeing is, they're not pie in the sky what we're not able to get. The pictures that we're seeing are what's included in what we plan on building without several of these because I'm noticing the gymnasium jumps out at me a little bit. I love the design of it, but uh, one of the thoughts was possibly a track. We don't have that track in there, but we do have that upper level ring that goes around the gymnasium. That's, that's right now we're on budget to be able to build at least that level of a gymnasium, well, correct? Well, what I'm told is this is in the base bed, what you're saying. Okay. Excuse me. Theater, Theater renovations. That's the, that's is Theater, right here. Yeah. Okay. But we have tiered. We're tiering the uh, alternates for priority, obviously. So, yes, sir. So that is one that's not in there, but that's one of the higher priority ones for sure. All right. Well, it's not such a dumb question, then. So I'm, I'm no, looking. No, at, I'm looking no, at the base no. bids, except for Number those two. pictures. We're looking at the, mm -hmm. the auditorium being in a little bit of an upgrade. We're hoping to. That is correct. We, correct. we wanted to show that tonight. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. We did want to show you that tonight because we know that what a, an important space that is to have to have your eyes on. Thank you. 
Any other questions before we look for a motion with the design? Was the auditorium renovation alternate two? Alternate, alternate two. two. Okay. Yeah, and I have it down here for a bit. Yeah. Uh, one is. A couple of science classes. Yeah. Right. I won't forget the first. One. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Any other further questions with the design? We no further questions. Is there a motion to accept the design presented tonight? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Oh. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Let's discuss the budget. We'll leave these for you guys, but we'll take it down. Yeah. Uh, they're going to leave these for uh, Dr. Layfield uh, for school, as they have done in the past, and take them down at this point. Also, in your packets is a uh, design development budget, and here to speak on, on those items and the alternates that was previously mentioned is, is Brad Cowan. Brian, we're all right, Jay. Good evening, everyone. Uh, in your board docs tonight, you should have the uh, summary page for the Sussex Central High School DD budget. I brought it up on the screen here. And what I can do is I can walk you through that. And please stop me if you have any questions as, as I move through it. Uh, at the top of the page, you'll see we had the original funding total of uh, just over $146 million. We have the additional funding for the Ennis program space, which is provided by the, the state. That's added into the budget, just shy of 2.5 million, gives us a total funding of 148,510,000. So in addition to that, we have the possible bond, we noted the possible mini bond bill market pressure. That's no longer possible. I understand that that's been signed and that is, uh, has been approved and signed by the governor. So, and I know Mr. Dufendock is here tonight, and he can, he can speak to that a little bit more um, after I finish. But uh, you'll see that with the budget, the total funding budget right now at 148510000 our base bid is 148254000 So at this point, at design development, we're roughly about $200,000 under budget for just the base bid. So that's a good place to be. We have uh, what we feel is a good budget. We went from a schematic design, which was mostly just, uh, you know, estimates based on various drawings. During the DD process, what we do is we go out to various contractors, <coughs> excuse me, that will be potentially bidding on the project for every contract. So we have a couple of bidders in concrete, steel, masonry, roofing, and a host of other, other contractors. We ask two or three in each category to take a look at the drawings that we were provided by ABHA, and they come back with pricing. So, and then our, our estimators take that pricing, we vet it, we go through it, and make sure that the scope is correct, and that helps us in providing real-time dollars to the budget. So the budget you're seeing today is based on contractors helping us with pricing on materials, labor, and real-time cost. So at this point, we feel pretty good, pretty good about the budget. We're under budget on base bid, and that's a great place to be right now. We're very happy with that. We're happy that uh, we were able to work with ABHA and back and forth with the design so we can get to this point. So uh, what we're asking for tonight is the approval of the budget, much like the design, so that we can, we can move forward uh, with continued budgeting and working with ABHA on the design. Yes, and the alternates, uh, they've stayed the same through, 
through the schematic design and to today. You have alternates one through 10. You'll see that we broke them out one through six, building slash curriculum alternates, and then the site and athletics. And those numbers also have been provided to us by contractors that we've talked to uh, based on those alternates and the scope within those alternates. And you'll see that if you add all the alternates together, you're just shy of $30 million. Now, granted, that would have to be a, a pretty good bid day in order to uh, afford all of those alternates, but we understand the goal, obviously, number one and number two, the science wing auditorium renovations are, are high on the list right now. So that's, that's what we're working to. And with the, the mini bond bill, the market pressure funding, which is 13.5, um, that could certainly assist in, in achieving those goals of, of uh, being able to afford those first two alternates. But it comes with a, a little asterisk. It's the, um, the local match, which I think is, is, is something that you know, needs to be discussed and worked out. And that discussion needs to take place in Lake Hall? Yes, that would be a discussion with legislators. And I think that, I think that conversation has started. Um, I know that Dr. Owens has been meet, had meetings with legislators and, and other, other folks to see what we can do about that. Okay, because there are other districts in similar situations than ours, or compared to ours, right? That's correct. Okay, so it's a joint effort, I'm going to assume? Yes, Dr. that's Rose. correct. Okay, yes. thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Are there any questions with the budget or any of the alternates? Okay. Do we need a motion to accept this? We do. Is there yes. any questions with the alternates? I was going through each one. Any questions with the budget? Is there a motion to accept the budget? So, so moved. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Thank President, you. or Dr. Owens, uh, would it be appropriate to bring up Mr. Dufendock now since we talked about market pressure? Or um, do you have another point in the... I think I've got him down okay. under the Howard TNS update, so I'll bring okay. him up in Okay, thank you. Thank you. Howard TNS pool retention. Yes, thank you. I think Mrs. Smith will give us an update on the pool. And we did discuss this. Uh, at length during uh, committee meetings, but uh, certainly want to bring the board up to speed as to where we are right now. Thank you. Yes, so since the February committee meetings, um, at that meeting, I believe it was Dr. Hattier requested a five-year projection um, for the revenues and projected expenses um, of retaining the pool, providing swimming lessons and lifeguard certification and open pool time and et cetera. Um, with the projected expenses that we have from the salaries that would match up to that, um, historical costs for pool supplies, some estimates of um, materials and fees, estimates of utilities, et cetera. So that's in your board docs. Um, and there are some deferred maintenance needs that we kind of put where we thought um, they would be useful. Um, so for the first year, it's looking like an operating deficit of $129,000. Um, and over the four, or the five years, I'm sorry, 365,000. Um, this spreadsheet that you have in board docs breaks down 
how we determine the revenues, the associated lifeguard wages for those, um, and the utilities. All right, I had asked that they put this through a standard business model that you would use if you were trying to decide whether you're gonna run a business or not. Okay, and one of my questions was, where is that extra $386,000 coming from? Uh, that does not come out of the Howard T. Ennis budget. That actually came out of our essentially minor cap budget, right? Not minor cap. It would have to come from the current expense local funds. Okay, so from it's the all district, local money not Ennis. Get to do that. Correct. Okay, um, so you're you're spending three hundred fifty thousand plus over a five year period, at which time we turn it over to uh, Dell Tech. Even though Dell Tech, if I'm not uh, incorrect has yet to give us any kind of a assurance or statement of what they want to do. Is that still the truth? So they've got interest from a charter school to use the front end, if you will, of the, the facility. I did ask Dr. Barons about um, our ability to continue to use the pool if the board wanted to go that route. Uh, they certainly are okay with that um, for the, for the short, short term. Um, they had said probably within five years. I did ask, you had asked me to check on yes. potential fees. She said we would need to submit a, a plan, basically, of our maintenance, how we would maintain, keep up the facility. Then they would consider that as, um, you know, payment to use the, the facility. But we would need to submit a, a plan to, to Dell Tech to determine how we're going to use the facility okay. and up, upkeep that area. All right. From my perspective, I think we can spend $350,000 on other buildings in a better way. I see this as being a money pit, as most swimming pools are, um, and it has been a source of uh, unending maintenance for many, many years, and with all the equipment getting older, we could still have an, uh, some surprises in there. I commend Tammy for uh, taking a look at, you know, virtually everything that she could take a look at. However, it is a swimming pool, and if a pool pack dies, what are we looking at? Hundred grand? Twenty-five, thirty-five? That's a question for Mr. Booth. If the pool pack dies, what would it cost to replace it? I'm not sure with today's market. All right, that's what I thought. And at which point, basically, that's over top of, of even what the estimate was here. I do not think it's economically viable for us to continue to work the pool. And I would be making a motion, actually, that we turn it back over to Dell Tech at such time. Um, as we vacate the building and take our students over to uh, Howard T. Ennis, the new building. Now, I did make a cryptic comment on one of mine which said that if our legislatures wish to step up and make up that money, that we would be happy to continue it. And if they want to pop, you know, give us 100000 a year to run a swimming pool, that would be fine. But I noticed we didn't get any calls back. So for five years, $350,000, we're talking $70,000 around that pool. <clears throat> we're also losing the front of the building? Yep. That's correct. What kind of charter school is going in there to kind of – we, we weren't assured any long-term agreement yep. to that school to put money into it to facilitate it. Right. So I'm eager to know what politically connected group is going to put a school in there with no foresight to be able to upgrade the school and keep it for a long period of time. This seems very odd. The, the charter school that uh, has it in their plan, it's a short-term uh, agreement from the way that I read this. So it would be for, uh, I think, three, four years potentially, and then they would look to build a, another facility. That's from my read on that situation. Uh, Brian Stevenson School is the one that's 
um, up for the charter, but that has to be reviewed by the State Board of Ed and then approved. So it's nothing is in stone yet for them to be at that school. Well, they were they were looking to use it as a startup facility for a short Correct. period of time. Correct. Helps me understand it, but I just found that awful odd. We were willing to stay in there. We just wanted an agreement to do some upgrades, but obviously somebody there at Dell Tech had other plans. Odd, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's good to know the backstory. Thank you. <clears throat> well, it's an action item. And you have a motion, Scott? I make a motion that when we move to the new Howard Tienis building, that we turn the swimming pool and its operation over to Dell Tech, who is the owner of the building. And I would just like to remind that um, the design of the new building does have a therapy pool, so there is a pool. Right, I apologize. So, so I think no, that's, that's, I just want to make sure we're clear because we, our students at the new school will get to use that the therapy elements at their, the new school across the street. Right, and the new therapy elements are certainly going to be um, up-to-date, properly designed, and with everything being as it should be, not sharing it and having temperature and humidity levels like problems like we have at the old one. So. There's a motion. Is there a second? Second. Is there any further discussion? I don't like it. I don't like closing the pool. I know there's monies to it, but a lot of children in the area. I think we can be spending 350 in a much better way. There's a lot of people to use it in the community and have used it for years. Money talks. I understand that, but there's well, several. I look at it from the perspective of, yes, a lot of the community does it, but we're in the education business. We're not in the swimming pool business. And educating lifeguards, too. I understand that. And what I see is our flanking members with deeper pockets are able to build nice pools and we have to follow their lead because they've got deeper pockets. It's just frustrating. We're one of the largest schools in the state, largest school in the county, and we can't have a pool. It's sad. Mm -hmm. I'm just one person. There's a motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor of closing Howard Tiennes' pool upon our departure? Aye. Say aye. 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 Those opposed? Abstain. And I vote no. Mr. Castle? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? No. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Abstain. Mrs. Wright? Mm -hmm. Six yes, one no, and one abstention. Passes by majority vote. Thank you. Six point oh seven proposed cell tower at Lord Baltimore Elementary. Thank you. Um, board members, you'll see in your packet um, a proposal from Site ID Incorporated. Um, this is for a proposed cell tower at the Lord Baltimore site. Uh, there was um, very little interest in the committee, but it was suggested to bring to the full board to make a decision whether or not to move forward. We have had several approaches over the years for a cell tower site at Lord Baltimore. Um, I'm not in favor of it for a variety of reasons. Certainly the amount of money being offered uh, to use the space was uh, not significant in any way. 
uh, from a business perspective. Um, and I'm still not convinced that the uh, use of all the microwaves that would be generated around young developing bodies is a good idea. That's just the chiropractor in me. Let's keep them away from that if we can. So we brought it to the board simply because it's something that everybody should basically be uh, deciding on. Um, but personally, I'm not in favor of it. And I'm not sure that the board as a whole was really much in, uh, the committee as a whole was in favor of it either. Is there a motion to move forward? Hearing none. All right, Six, thank you. Yes, sir. 6.08, 2022-2023 district calendar draft. Thank you, Mrs. Bunting. Good evening. We're asking the board to take action on the 2022-2023 calendar, district calendar. Are, are there any questions? Are there any changes from the last time we reviewed this, ma'am? No. Everyone take a look at November. Have election week in November, we're off that entire week. Hmm. Students that partake in outdoor activities will enjoy that. Wow. Is there a motion to accept the calendar? I guess we have to. I'll make a motion. This has been reviewed with the union representation and yes, our calendar committee. I'll make a motion. Met, yes. So there's a motion to accept the calendars. Our second. Second. Any further discussion? All those in favor of the uh, calendar, say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. Contract negotiations, 6.09. We reached a tentative agreement on contact, contract negotiations for the teachers, custodians, paraprofessional, and secretary groups. We're asking the board to approve the tentative agreements. Motion to approve. There. So moved. Motion. motion made. Is there a second? second? Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 610, administrative salaries. We're asking the board to take action on administrative salaries um, as a result of the vote just taken on teacher raises. Because of that, there'll because be of that, yes. administrative salaries. Is there a motion to approve the administrative salary? Motion made. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Abstain. Mr. Castle? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Abstention. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Seven yes, zero no, one abstention. Passes by majority vote. 611, adult education marketing fees for community groups. Yes, we discussed this at the Finance Committee, and we're asking the board to approve um, a new fee structure prior to this if 
We as a district did a marketing campaign. We did it by player. We're asking for the board to approve a flat rate. This is for adult ed. And on the bottom, if we're using marketing and facility use, or it's a program partnership, it still remains um, per player. You will see that if we look at historic payments and what the fee will cost, in several cases, it goes down for the flat rate. If I'm not mistaken, yes, this makes your bookkeeping easier? Yes, it, it does. It, it makes it more efficient, and we did discuss this at length in finance. We were kind of on the honor program anyway with it, weren't we? These, these entities yeah. that we're asking, they yes. would in return tell us about how many students they got from the program. Correct. Right. And that changed over time sometimes. I'm comfortable with the flat rate. Yeah, as a general rule, I think the committee supported it, didn't it? We yeah, did. that's what I thought. At, at, at length, yes. Is there a motion yes. to move forward with the flat rate? Yes. Motion so, made. Is there a second? A second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. 612, Howard Tiana's full day pre-K tuition increases. Yes, we are asking um, to increase the full day pre-K tuition for the Howard Tiana's typical peers from $250 a month to $325 a month for the 2022-2023 school year, and then to $400 a month for the 2023-2024 school year um, in order to cover costs and maintain services. This program, is it half day or full day? Full day. Okay. I think this is, it is a raise but compared to what community daycare costs, this is a fraction of what community daycare costs. Correct. We and recently had a, a, I covered another doctor's office where the uh, front desk person happens to be full-time, her husband's full-time military, and even on Dover Air Base, it's $1,100 a month. So, this is still reasonable. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know. So I, I'm rec making a recommendation that we go with this. There's, there's a motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Thank you. There's a small topic here we need to discuss. 613, match requirements. Thank you, Mr. Layfield. Yes, this, uh, this was on the agenda for discussion and potential action. However, uh, this morning we got some uh, updated news. Uh, Governor Carney announced that he will sign an order terminating the COVID-19 state of emergency and masking requirements in schools effective 6 p.m. tomorrow, Tuesday, March 1st. Uh, this announcement is consistent with new masking guidance issued on Friday the 25th by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC. Uh, under the governor's orders, masking in classrooms and on school buses will no longer be required for students, staff, and visitors. However, families retain the option of having their child continue to wear a mask in the school building and on school buses. Uh, the amendment also indicated that the vaccine and testing requirements for educators and state employees will expire 
at 11.59 p.m. today, Monday the 28th. The Division of Public Health and Delaware Department of Education has also updated guidance around quarantine, isolation, and test-to-stay procedures. As you know, uh, we recently had a special board meeting to implement some new procedures around quarantine. Uh, so these have, uh, again, updated as we had thought they would uh, once the uh, mask mandate was lifted. With those new guidelines, school nurses may discontinue in-school contact tracing. The schools may discontinue quarantine for close contacts except household contacts reported by a parent. So that would be a parent or a sibling of a student testing positive. Uh, we have updated recommendations from the state that our nursing team is reviewing and we have reviewed with our principals with regard to those quarantine procedures uh, with those close contacts in the home. And we will continue to uh, observe those as we move forward. Uh, in addition, with those new guidance guidelines, uh, our schools may contact DPH if there's a concern about a school spread or localized outbreaks. Concerns might include an increase in cases in a classroom, sports teams, or extracurricular groups, uh, or increase uh, absenteeism in school. So again, if we saw a concern, had concern that, that we do have an outbreak, we can certainly reevaluate uh, masking in those areas and how we operate. So we would work with DPH and our team, and I would certainly update the board with that. Uh, one final piece to this, the Quidel, which we talked about at our special board meeting recently, will continue to operate its testing sites through the rest of the school year. This includes the weekly in-school surveillance testing as well as the test-to-stay option that Mrs. Blannard has been working hard to uh, get underway here uh, soon. So with that, um, that is the report, and again, this has uh, been very fluid, and this, up, this uh, information was updated just this morning. And I'll answer any questions. So if families do choose that their child should wear a mask in school, that is certainly something we will support. Absolutely, yes. Okay. So I know you have this listed as an action item, but if this is what the state said, do we need to take any action at all or just go with their recommendations? It's, it's uh, up to the board. Um, we did not take action, I do not believe, to put the mandate. And when the mandate was in place, we didn't take action to say that we would follow it. We just followed. Um, but the board could certainly take a vote to um, follow this optional requirement, uh, as I've stated here this evening, and to continue to follow the guidance as we see fit. That's certainly a pleasure of the board. Does anybody have anything intelligent to say about the mask mandate? There's nothing intelligent to say about it. Well stated. Unfortunately, this has been a great civics lesson in what I feel is an overreach of government. And I'm just as confident in this mask as I was when we voted about it in August. There you go. I take. I say we take a, mo um, uh, a vote here as a board. There's a motion to uh, move forward with uh, sunsetting the mass mandate with the governor's order. And uh, this school district's gonna allow it to be an option of the family and students to move forward. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Thank you. Old business, 7.01. Major capital planning. 
Thank you. We continue to discuss the design plans as we did this evening for the new Sussex Central High School. Thank you for your work with that uh, and attention this, this uh, evening. Work continues on moving modular units with expected county approvals and Delmarva Power install of a transformer on those units. Uh, there has been discussion on market pressure monies and Mark Dufendock is here with us this evening. I asked him to join us uh, here this evening to kind of give us an update on that market pressure. We, uh, Mr. Cowan gave us an update earlier, but uh, Mr. Dufendock I know has analyzed this at length and uh, we appreciate your expertise, Mr. Dufendock. All right, thank you, good evening. Um, as was stated earlier with the uh, presentation, the timing's very difficult for a large-scale construction project with the market pressure and the supply chain issues and so forth. Uh, so from the beginning, we've been working uh, as a team to try to secure additional funding. And it was mentioned in the budget presentation, we had the 2.4 million um, by having the program space for the Howard T. Ennis School that is in the governor's recommended bond bill uh, that will help us. Uh, we have also had the passage of House Bill 310, which provides that market pressure funding um, to Indian River, the 13.5 million. Uh, as Dr. Hattier alluded to, there are other districts impacted by that, specifically Appaquinimic and Cape Henlopen School District. Now, Appaquinimic, uh, being in Newcastle County, has the um, luxury of having impact fee collections. And impact fee is one of the sources that can be used for the local match. Uh, so they don't have as much of a concern about the issue as Indian River and Cape Henlopen School District. So for Indian River and Cape in Sussex County, we don't have the uh, impact fee collection at the county level. So the funds would in essence have to come from discretionary local funds or from minor cap. Uh, there are a few options that the state gives you, but they're none good options. <laughs> it's in essence coming out of discretionary dollars. Right. So we will be working legislatively, and I know Dr. Owens is working on that now, to try to have some relief for that local match component, which Indian River is a 60% state, 40% local um, combined share. So the 40% is a $5.4 million local match requirement of that 13 and a half million. So that's a major chunk uh, of money, discretionary money to come up with. So we really do not want to see that happen. Um, we want to either have that all state funded, the 13 and a half, or at a minimal, make the local share optional or some other um, scenario there. Uh, the one item that wasn't mentioned, uh, there's also in the governor's recommended bond bill, $25 million, that's a statewide pot that is expected that you can apply to. So it's not specifically designated for Indian River School District, like the $13.5 million is, um, but it's a $25 million statewide pot that's expected for you know, various school districts across the state to be able to access um, to deal with this market pressure concern. So that's another hope that is out there. Uh, right now it's written to have a local match component to it as well, so we have to try to work on that. Um, but there is another uh, allocation that is potentially helpful to the project. Um, 
So I just wanted to update you on those items, and it's a work in progress. I wish we had a clear answer to what the final number is and what the final local match requirement is, um, but that's, that's where we currently are and continue to work legislatively on that. No. All right. Um, any idea how much money APO is getting for the, the, the impact fees? Oh, oh, for the impact fee. I don't know the specific amount, but I know from speaking with them that they really don't have a concern about the local match. So it's significant. Uh, Which the means they can come up with five, six, seven million dollars. Yeah, I don't want to throw out a number because I don't know for sure. But generally, yes, they have used impact fees and other Kent and Newcastle County districts. Uh, that's been their main way because there has been market pressure money in the past, not to this magnitude. Got it. That's our other argument: is that this, these numbers are much larger than they've ever been in the past. So making a local match for a few hundred thousand dollars is very different than five plus million dollars. Um, but generally speaking, the Kent and Newcastle have used impact fees and Sussex County does not have that option. Okay, we've discussed this at, at finance and a couple other areas before. I think it is time, given the growth that we have, that we try to come up with some kind of an impact fee to help us out here. Because given the growth in the county, and it's huge, we're gonna need more buildings very soon, five, six years, one way or the other. Um, and right now it seems as if Sussex County is the only one not doing it. And I know that it's something that the county may not want from a building perspective, but we also have to think about our responsibility to the taxpayer. And if these new homes are coming in, perhaps they should be paying part of it. We need to be taking a, a bigger look at that. So second question is, um, is the state expecting a fairly large surplus this year in income? Uh, it certainly looks that way. They've forward funded projects, including the Indian River High School project, there was um, the funding schedule was supposed to go all the way into fiscal year 2024, uh -huh. and they've accelerated the funding for our project so that it's completely funded in this next um, next fiscal year. Okay, so they much. have they have provided you know the 25 million dollar right. and accelerating funding. So it does appear as though there's resources. Yes. Okay. So in other words, they may have quite a bit more money left over, over and above what they've already offered. Is that correct? Uh, I, I don't want to make a statement that I can't say for sure, but it appears as though the, the resources are sufficient to address our concern if okay. we're able to um, get the appropriate legislation. I think our bigger concern is just the precedent of that local match requirement. I think the resources statewide seem to be available I think the more challenging issue is dealing with that local share match requirement, which has always been in place previously. And if it hadn't been for this uh, virus that we've had, we probably would be able to do all of this as advertised the way we were uh, telling the public about it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the cost escalations are so certainly it's, it's totally unforeseen. The cost escalation has gotten us to where we are now, and under the circumstances, if the state had the money, it would be nice if they simply uh, donated it to us, okay? And then one final comment. Um, if we're expected to come up with five million, if the governor would just take stop taking money back every year, we'd have two million dollars to put towards that. And if he has that much money in the in the stash, as it were, why does he keep wanting to take our two million dollars or whatever the number is back every year? And that's not just our district; that's yeah. every district that right now could be using that money for good educational purposes. What's he doing with it if he's got that much money left over? Right. Understood. Right. And it's, it's, it's a sore point, certainly with me and many other board members, because um, they just keep taking from us 
you know, and expecting us to, to work with lesser amounts. Okay? Right. So that's yep, it. I understand. Thank you. I, I think it's important to point out <clears throat> that with all of our alternates, the total cost would be around 178 million, which is with current market influences and the current formula that the state uses, which is different than the formula that was used when we passed a referendum. My, my point I think is important is that we're not asking for a lot of fluff because mm -mm. I believe, which I'm 100% behind and I hope they get it, Sussex Tech's proposed building is 174 million in that area. So our number's not out of line and I think that's important to point out with the public that it's not for fluff, it is the current price and we have another local school district that is right in line with the same figure. Right, absolutely. I mean, if it weren't for the market pressure issues, um, you know, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Yeah. So, yeah, there's no fluff or it's, it's just the standard formula and it's an older formula that is less generous than what the current formula is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Which the state has done to us before when this building was built. They changed the formula after we went to the, uh, to the referendum and we had to go to the state at that time to make up the difference. And as I remember, it was a substantial change on the order of 30 to $50 a square foot, something in that range. And on a 100,000 square foot building, that's a lot of money. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So the state does this sort of thing to all school districts on a regular basis. Timing is everything. To right. their shame. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mark. 7.02, Howard Tiannis. Thank you. Uh, progress continues with mechanical, electrical, and fire protection rough-ins within the building. Additional roofing material has been delivered to the site. However, the impact of those delays has cost the project time towards completion. Currently, after meeting with our general contractor, RYJ, and discussing with the NS architects, we are forecasting a mid-October substantial completion date. Subcontractors are still working under the August 30th date. Uh, another concern about completion is the technology packages and deliverable dates, which we discussed at length this evening. Uh, we will be organizing the move-in when dates become more firm. Uh, in addition, I'd like to make the board aware of a change order uh, number 006 in the amount of 1,587 to R.Y. Johnson for the electrical code changes. Mr. Booth will ask the board uh, to take action related to this change order as part of the financial reports a little later on this evening. Certainly able to answer any questions and I know uh, Brad is here from R.Y.J. if we have any questions on the progress and uh, uh, for Howard Tienis. Still on board for October? Yes, we're hoping that we can uh, meet the August deadline, but uh, a more realistic date is that yes. mid-October. Yep. Thoughts on the moving in, maybe during the break in November? Potentially, yes. Thank you. We'd work with the school on that to uh, um, make sure everyone's comfortable with the move-in date. Any questions? 7.03, GW Carver consent? Update. Dr. Brittingham. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Just a few quick updates. Um, district administration continues to work hard on monitoring their discipline reports. The high flyers have been a, a constant 
discussion at committees. Um, both secondary and elementary teams have had two rounds of successful discipline meetings with myself, Mrs. Blannard, and Mr. Lewis. Um, the school teams are really doing an amazing job putting in appropriate supports, and we are seeing some improvements in some of our schools that really had high numbers as we came back from break January, February. Um, tomorrow night, March 1st, is our second community advisory board meeting for the school year. It's going to be held via Zoom from 4.30 to 6.30. Agenda items include a review of the discipline data to date and continued work on the community survey that are both requirements under the consent order. And then our next internal district stakeholder equity steering committee meeting is set for March 15th, and Mrs. Nika Reed is working on the agenda for that. Any questions or comments? Thank you for your time. Thank you. Committee report 6.01, Building and Grounds. Doc? Okay, a lot of what we did at Buildings and Grounds has already been discussed and in quite a bit of detail. We always go over the Buildings and Grounds Support Center dashboard, 139 tickets opened, 142 closed, um, making good progress on that. We always get a breakdown on why cases are still open and it's everything from parts to not understanding the problem clearly, but it's being well handled. Um, tower replacement seems to be moving along. The funding meeting was on February the 16th, and plans are close to being advertised on the Delaware My Marketplace, so that's moving along nicely. Um, one thing that did come up under new business was the, uh, the custodial training idea. Um, DOE wants a proposal to allow some custodial training to be virtual, i.e. online. And I think that's a pretty good idea. Those guys that want to learn something, if they can learn it online, why not? Virtually all other professional associations, chiropractic, medical, are doing online stuff now. It's a good idea. Fire school, basic tools, CPR, and electrical will still be hands-on, but I think the consensus was uh, that this was a good idea. Okay. Um, School inspections, B&G, uh, Buildings and Grounds inspections update. Uh, the interior of the schools have been inspected. Exteriors are coming soon. Weather permitting, it was cold as a well digger's fanny, and uh, we'll do it when it's warm outside, okay? A report on the inspections will be forthcoming through uh, Mr. Booth. Howard T. Ennis boiler repair. Uh, it was discussed on purchasing a new burner for one of the boilers, however, one of our vendors determined that it might not be needed as the issue could simply be gas supply issue, i.e., um, what was it, Joe? Uh, drop in pressure. Drop in pressure, okay. And that would certainly make a difference. If the pressure was low, you're not going to get the right amount of uh, BTUs out of it. So that's being looked into, but it'd be nice if we could save the cost on a burner. And uh, besides which, the pressure would have to be fixed one way or the other. So. Basically, that's it. The other items have already been discussed um, in detail and at length. Thank you. Thank you, Doc. 8.02, Comprehensive School Safety. Derek? No updates for this uh, month, Mr. Vice President, Mr. President. Thanks, sir. 8.03, Finance. Doc? Okay, back to finance. A lot of those things have been discussed already. Um, one of the things that came up, and Mrs. Bunting, if you want to answer a question or two, one of them was, um, increasing the teacher's uh, substitute teacher rates due to the increase in minimum wage. Um, I think this is something that certainly we're looking into and, and needs to be done. The other thing that Mrs. Bunting, or at least got brought up, Mrs. Bunting clarified, is that there is the, the funding for teacher reimbursements on classrooms, and you guys that were there help me out on this, okay? Um, 
but that that had not been raised in like 16 years. Correct. Alrighty, and even at any kind of an inflation rate, you know, what was it, 2000? How about for teachers? Teachers were raised last, um, teachers were raised last time we negotiated, so it's $50,000 for teachers each semester. Okay, does that actually total. reflect inflation though? No, it's a flat rate. I mean, it's. I mean, it's, it's still less than inflation would have gotten us to had we simply factored in two or three percent per year. I'm gonna defer to Tammy on that piece of it. I can tell you that for teachers, we had about $259,000 of tuition requests got it. this sem semester, and we had $50,000. So they got an average of 18.92% reimbursement. Okay. Um, at some point, the district needs to look into increasing those amounts. Um, you know, we expect a well-educated workforce, and if we can help them out, it's not a bad idea. For the administrators of $2,000, we talked about raising that to $3,000 and it had been changed in a long time. Again, nothing was voted on, but it was discussed, and I think at some point a, a nice presentation to us would be in order so we can uh, take another look at that. We'll be ready you know, to we, that. we encourage our people to get educated, and 18% of 250,000, okay, they're investing, invested, sorry, investing a lot of their own money in this, but again, if we can help them out, it's to our benefit to have a better edu educated workforce, okay? It was also noted for the people in the audience that we had several that went and got their Ph.D., and the, re the Ph.D. was somewhere to the tune of $35,000, $36,000, and there was $3,000, so they ended up with $1,500 a piece reimbursement. Right. And thank you for bringing that up. That's just another reason to uh, consider raising the amount. Okay at some point, and again, it'll be discussed again at finance, I have no doubt, over the next few months, and hopefully in a couple months we can bring some kind of a recommendation to the board. Okay, administrative salary we've already done, and that was it, it was a nice meeting. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Doc. 8.04, curriculum, Dr. Statler. Thank you. In honor of National School Counseling Week, uh, Nika Reed and Leslie Hazard presented information about the services and supports that our school counselors provide throughout the district. Um, our district had two out of three state finalists for school counselor of the year, which was wonderful. Uh, Leslie Hazard from East Millsboro and Stephanie Wilkinson from Indian River High School, so congratulations to both of them. There was a brief update on how schools are continuing to work on discipline. Um, Dr. Brittingham talked a little bit about that tonight in ways that the supports can be strengthened in the buildings, and we expect that this work will remain ongoing. Uh, special education is beginning their work on the second round of compliance monitoring of files for the school year. This is really important work and will likely continue until the end of the school year. Our next meeting is March the 14th at 5.30. Um, just a note, we have changed the time from 5 o'clock to 5.30. Thank you. Thank you. Eight. 0.05 DSBA Board of Directors, ma'am. We've had no, re no meeting. 8.06 DSBA Legislative. Doc? Okay, we did have a good meeting, and if you guys recall after the meeting, I sent you a whole stack of materials. I originally was not going to be able to make this meeting, and I wanted you all to see it in advance. Um, hopefully you took a good look at it. As you know, the Rascals in Dover have been busy with a lot of legislation. 
um, and I think it behooves all of us to read the reams and stacks of stuff they're, they're doing. So if there's any questions on that, um, you know, let me know. Thanks, Doc. 8.07, Special Education Task Force. Dr. Statler. Thank you. Our next collaborative meeting with the Parent Council will be held on April the 12th. Um, these are great meetings. They put a lot of effort into coordinating these with topics. I will be there to answer any questions, to interact with parents, or get feedback and guidance. So um, thank you to Dr. Brittingham and her team and Regina Izzo. Um, again, they do a great job putting these together. Every year, the task force supports the Rock Your Socks campaign held on March 21st, sponsored by the Down Syndrome Association. Um, we will be supporting this again this year. We're working with buildings to create a virtual poster in honor of our support of World Down Syndrome Day. So um, thank you to everyone that's helping us with that. And the next task force meeting as a full group is on March the 9th, um, and this will be our planning session. Thank you. Thank you. 8.08, policy. Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Collins isn't with us this evening, but I'm happy to uh, review for first readings. We looked at public participation at board meetings, which is in your board docs, that's BDDH. Uh, no recommended updates at this time. This is just up for our regular review. I will tell you at the policy committee, we talked about the public comment portion there. It is referenced for regular board meetings uh, in the 30 minutes. And uh, we did want uh, the board to consider whether we want to include that for special meetings as well. Um, certainly you can add public comment to special meetings if we so desire. Uh, however, right now the, the policy just reads regular meetings. So that's something that we can consider. And certainly um, if you have feedback on that, we can discuss at their next committee meeting. This is just the first reading this evening. <clears throat> In addition, policy JECB uh, admission of exchange students. You'll see there um, several updates in yellow and deletions in red um, just for clarity purposes. And again, this was up for a regular review and Dr. Jerns provided us with the recommended updates. Again, first reading right now, we'll bring this back to the committee uh, next month. Second readings this evening that would require action are GCQ, IRSD administrative and extra pay. Uh, this is a brand new policy, and uh, we recently looked at this uh, to determine whether administrators would be administrators would be eligible for that e per pay. And as this policy reads, under the administrative contract, they would be ineligible for hire uh, and compensation for e per pay. So that's GCQ. Again, that's a new policy, and the other policy up for second reading is extracurricular activities during inclement weather. And we thought it prudent to bring this back up um, as we had a active winter season here uh, within our school district. And at times, depending on when the storm arrives and how quickly things can get cleaned up, we may be able to consider after school activities that, even, that evening, even if we uh, close school for the day. So uh, we wanted to add an element to that, that uh, uh, the superintendent would consult with the, the board president to make a determination of whether we could have those after-school activities. So that's reflected in policy EBCD. Happy to answer any questions. Okay, so that doesn't mean we're going to do it. It means that you have the option to if things clear up. That's correct. That's okay. correct, yes.
Thank you, Doc. 8.09. IRE area. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Leifer. We would need action on yep. those um, second readings. Okay. I'll make a motion that we support both. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. And if I can make a quick comment on public participation. Um, we are known in a lot of ways for allowing public communication um, because this is about the public. It's not even allowing, it's just giving them their say, which they're entitled to. Um, if we could put something like that in writing that certainly it's an option so that it's, it's not just at a discretion, I would not be offended. It's just a way of making things more inclusive if we can. Thank you. Okay. Okay. IREA rep. Good evening, sir. Uh, good evening. I'd like to start off by first saying that our scholarship fundraiser is uh, two weeks away. It's still scheduled for Friday, March 11th from 4 to 7 at the Indian River Senior Center. Uh, Melissa Abbott here at Sussex Central High School is um, collecting any items um, that could be raffled off as well as any gift cards. She's also accepting cash donations. Um, all these proceeds go straight to the Indian River School District graduates um, who are entering the field of education. Um, as a side note, these are all tax deductible if that entices anybody to give. Just saying. Um, second, uh, negotiations. Um, happy to hear that um, the agreements that we made uh, were accepted and approved tonight for all four bargaining groups. The secretaries and paras uh, agreed on a two-year contract and salary. Uh, teachers and custodians agreed on a current year uh, salary only. Uh, we have submitted proposed contract negotiation dates um, for this spring for custodians and teachers. We look forward to hearing uh, back when the, if you can lock down those dates um, so we can get our schedules set. Um, next, uh, parent conference survey. Uh, we have all had COVID restrictions on the top of our list. Sounds like those are going away. Um, so we're ready to move on and help with developing the survey for parent conference times, as well as helping develop the schedule for conferences, um, the times for next year. Um, mask breaks. I'm assuming that, I know that somebody mentioned that earlier, Mr. Pilgrim, I'm assuming that the, even though the mask requirement is gone, that the mask breaks will continue as they are currently scheduled in classes. Um, I would hate to see that an administrator changes their schedule um, and changes those mask breaks for the, for the families that continue to wear masks. So I hope that continues. Um, next, the, uh, to clarify, does the weekly employee testing now end? Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. yes. yes. Okay. And the vaccination status uploading that people have to do now ends. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. Just I just wanted to clarify that. All right. Um, also, when I heard about the reimbursement increase for teachers, that proposal, I would um, hope that you would not forget the other employees. The Paris have a, also have a fund that um, is under the same type of scrutiny that they Actually, may need it. They may also need that. As well. Yes. So yes. Good. 
Um, also, I heard that the Sussex Central High School design is, is uh, getting pushed forward, which is great. I heard that they're making the classroom, um, they're building classrooms for 25 to 30 students per classroom. Is this open us up to class size limits? So now we can put class size limits on high school? Just, I'm just putting it out there since we, we're building it for 25 to 30, so we should might be considering those limits. Um, Last thing is the transportation schedule. Last month I asked the district to have a backup plan for the transportation schedule. Not sure that that was um, done or if it was not done. The bus arrival time that I saw is anywhere from 7 to 7.20 at the high schools. The student start times are 7.30. What do the students do from 7 to 7.30? Teacher start time is 7.30. So are the students walking in before the teachers arrive? Every year we have to pass an MOU for earlier start times. So right now, if there is no agreement made, teacher start time stays at 7.30. <coughs> Where's the, what happens if that is not approved? So now you have students in the building before any staff are there. Um, the bus departure time uh, for elementary is at 3.45. Teacher end time is also at 3.45. That means teachers walk the kids to the buses and leave. Now you have possibly have buses that are not manned by staff. This is the same problem we ran into <coughs> at North Georgetown Elementary, and we had to start keeping track of employee time and letting them uh, bank time and doing that. But there's no, I I'd like to know if there's a backup plan. I, I mentioned this last month. The plan is now approved. The schedule is there. But is there a backup plan for this? I'm just wondering what, what happens, you know, during this time frame. You, you're running it down to the minute. Just saying. JR, just a quick question. <coughs> the, the fundraiser now is in person? Correct. Okay. Yep, fundraiser in person. Thank you. Superintendent's report. 9.01, monthly activities. Yes, thank you. Within your board docs are um, my monthly activities. Um, two highlights, uh, I was able to get around to several schools this month, um, observed uh, some classrooms, very pleased with uh, our progress thus far this year, and I want to thank uh, the teachers that uh, allowed me to visit those classrooms and staff that I was able to interact with. Also, this past weekend, I was able to attend the VEX robotic comp robotics competition over at H.O. Brittingham in the Cape School District. We had several uh, schools that were able to participate and it was really neat to see the enthusiasm of the students and the staff coaches that were involved and the families uh, participating in that competition. So uh, kudos to the, the staff that's been working uh, several months now to prepare those students and, uh, and they, were, they were very well prepared and, and did well in the competition. So that was uh, one of the, the several highlights of the month. District calendar changes? Yes, two calendar changes here for action this evening. The cancellation of the early learning family night, which was scheduled on February 10th, and the cancellation of the North Georgetown movie night, which was scheduled on February 24th. And that's an actionable item we need to vote on? Yes, it's retroactive because they had to, it came up after um, uh, the last uh, agenda item, the, the posting of the agenda. So moved. Motion made, is there a second? Second. 
Any discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Financial reports, 10.01. On board docs, you have the financial summaries for the month ended January 31st, 2022. Um, we were 58% of the way through the fiscal year. The reports have been updated for the final budget that was approved at the January board meeting. We've received 77% of total budgeted revenue, 96% of budgeted discretionary revenue, and 99% of budgeted local tax revenue. We continued to receive 0% interest in January, so no funds were received there. We spent 43% of total budgeted expenses and 62% of budgeted discretionary expenses. The ILC programs have spent 41% of budgeted expenses, and Howard Tiana spent 58% of budgeted expenses. Is there a motion to accept financial summaries for the month of January? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. 10.02, detailed information on the month ending January 31st. Student activity fund balance is about 645,000. SRF2 funding, we've spent 10.8 million and have 2.3 million remaining. For SRF3, we've spent and encumbered about 6.4 million and have 23.5 million remaining. We have 33.4 million in federal funds available and are holding approximately 1.1 in donations and school internal accounts. Motion to accept. Accept that move. Motion made and second. second. Any further discussion? All those in favor, say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. 10.03, major capital improvements for the month ending January 31st. Yes, we paid $2.8 million out in the month of January, um, and Mr. Booth has something to add to that report. As uh, mentioned earlier, Dr. Owen's report on major cap, uh, there is a change order, change order number six, uh, that needs uh, formal board acceptance. Uh, according to the board procedure that was passed, um, the amount is, um, is un less than $25,000, it's $1,500 and uh, $1,587 uh, exactly. And it comes within my purview to approve, but the board has to formally accept. What that change order was for was a change in the code. Um, the uh, architects provided a shunt trip circuit breaker, which was okay at the time. However, the code's been changed that uh, they are considered not fail safe and therefore cannot be used. So they're gonna be replaced with a contactor. And the change order was, as I mentioned, 1,587. So we need board acceptance of that change order for audit purposes. You notified the board, but we don't need to make a motion. For audit purposes, my understanding is the board has to accept that change order. So moved. Motion made, is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Thank you. Passed by unanimous vote. Major capital improvements? That was the two point, the two million dollars paid out in January. I'm not sure if you approved the report. I'm sorry. Okay. 
Okay, 12.03, major capital improvements is action item. Is there a motion to accept that? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. 10.04, minor capital improvements for the month of January. Yes, of those funds, we've spent approximately 2.8 million and have a balance of approximately 1.8 million remaining. Motion to accept. So moved. moved. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. 10.05, student activity funds, caps and gowns. Yes, we received a request um, for student activity funding for caps and gowns at Indian River High School for students that aren't able to purchase their own. Um, I don't know if you want to give yeah. additional detail. I had a, I had a request from a, a past graduate who works with Mrs. Peeling, and apparently when they are short of money in the past, the senior class always had enough money in their fundraisers to cover it. And obviously, with the virus going around, there have been no fundraisers, and this year's class does not have it. We're looking at, what, $750 or something in that line? Um, Mrs. Peeling asked for about $500 okay. um, from those. It's my understanding that the Alumni Association would purchase those in previous years, but due to COVID, they haven't been able to do exactly. their typical fundraiser. Um, so what they're using, any funds that they've generated, they're using for the scholarships um, yeah. for those students at the school. Um, so I've spoken with Mr. Williams. He has the means to cover these caps and gowns through his donations account um, with the school. So he doesn't necessarily need the funding to come out of the student activity funds, but that is obviously your decision. All right, is Mr. Williams here? I believe so, yep. All right. Okay, and I learned a lot in this process. Apparently one of our high schools actually maintains a uh, you know, locker of old caps and gowns, and if they don't change too much, that's not a half bad idea. Um, in the future, um, it, is there a way that Indian River could have a spare closet somewhere or a piece of it and store some gowns? I mean, we could do that. It's really, it's, uh, really, it's not been an issue because there's been very few. Okay. And the alumni has always been generous and uh, supplied that. I know Central, being a much larger school, has had a, a larger issue with that than we've had, but I mean, we could look at that as being an option. Most students want to keep the cap and gown as a memento, but you know, we could look at that option if that's what the board would like us to do. To me, it's just if you can have a few spares, why not? And if somebody turns them in and doesn't want them, you could mention it and maybe. But okay, back to the funding question though. Are you comfortable making up the difference for the class? We can do that. We have a donations account. I wasn't aware, I guess, I wasn't aware until after the fact that I guess somebody from the alumni perhaps contacted you they did. before we knew. We have a donations account that we can take that out of for this okay. year. Again, I think with the pandemic, this is sort of a thing that we Please normally don't, don't encounter, yeah. but we can do that. Typically, we probably have a half a dozen spare gowns that we have on demand every year. But again, with this year being some families not being able to afford it, it did... Um, probably double the number, maybe about a dozen students. Okay. If you're comfortable taking it out of your donation money, that would be great, then student activity doesn't have to be touched. Yeah, that's okay. fine. And I was, my apologies for not contacting you, okay, which I probably should have, 
but they ran it past me to see if there was another way. So naturally, I go to the person who controls the money. That's yep, the I understand. You're just the principal. She's the money more. Right. We're good. Okay. Yep. Thank you. So thank you. Share the money. Thanks for that explanation. <laughs> All right. So we're good. All right. Thank you. No action needed with that. No. Correct? Okay. 11.01, communications. Yes, three field trip requests here uh, for this evening, an overnight trip by Sussex Central High School cheer on August 14th through 17th, uh, Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Number two is an overnight trip by Selbyville Middle School VEX Robotics Team, May 3rd through 5th to Dallas, Texas. And finally, an overnight trip by Indian River High School Girls Soccer on March 11th and 12th to Smyrna. Those would require action. There a motion to accept. So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? <laughs> second. Motion made and seconded. Any further <laughs> discussion? All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed? <laughs> Passes by unanimous vote. 12 or 11.02. Facility request. Yes, a few facility Ooh. requests here. Uh, the use of Howard Tienis's gym and pool by lifeguarding instructor Carrie Justice on March 10th through 12th. March 13th, which is a Sunday, <coughs> April 18th, or excuse me, April 28th through the 30th, May 1st, which is also a Sunday for lifeguard certifications. The second is the use of the Sussex Central High School gym on January 23rd to June 26th, which are Sundays by the Delaware Spartans 12U baseball team. And finally, use of Lord Baltimore Elementary gym by the Knights of Columbus, St. Anne Council on March 26th and April 2nd. There a motion to accept? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Personnel. We have a motion to accept personnel agenda for this evening. So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. There a motion to accept the personnel agenda or addendum for February the 28th? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Contractual agenda for February the 28th. Is there a motion to accept? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passes by unanimous vote. Um, motion to student hearings, 13.01. Is there a motion to accept the recommendation for student number 22-70? So moved. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed? Passed by unanimous vote. Come to a time in a meeting where we open the board, the floor up to public comment. Does anybody like to come forward and speak public comment? Mr. Bush, the floor is yours. All right, good evening. Good evening, sir. Jake Bushler, kindergarten teacher at Lower Baltimore Elementary School. Uh, I want to start off by saying the word unconstitutional does not mean it's bad policy. It just literally means it does not abide by the Constitution, whether that be federal or state. 
as we're moving out of these mandates and the COVID restrictions, we need to look and reflect how we got here. Our state of Delaware elected Governor Carney to be the head of the executive branch of our state. And with that, we should have the expectations he'll operate within the rules of the state constitution. His duties as governor is to oversee the enforcement of current laws that were sent through the legislation, signed by him, and approved by the courts as constitutional. We elected a man that single-handedly crippled schools, businesses, employees, and students with his emergency order mandates. Now, even if you want to believe that he had good intentions or that you agreed with those mandates, he acted out of the powers that allowed him to do it. And he's not the only governor to do that, and it's not specific to political parties. We've set the precedent now that we can elect a governor who can do whatever they like because of an emergency. Well, if we do that, what are they going to do? They're going to make an emergency to pass policy that their party is pushing towards them. Last time, I briefly touched on the difference between a democracy and a republic. Ben Franklin said, a democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on, who to have, on, who, on what to have for dinner. Liberty is an armed sheep. And in this case, being armed means knowing your rights from the Constitution. And for school boards, a lot of you were the lamb in the wolf with Governor Carney. That's how parents feel with the school boards. And we need to know our rights and understand. We cannot let the majority and the mob rule dictate and take the individual rights of the minority. People like to talk about the greater good and the general welfare clause in the Constitution. Jefferson talked about this in his Federalist Papers and said it was not intended to take from the minority to give to the majority. This would uh, result in a lack of production. 1913, Woodrow Wilson implemented the revenue tax on the top 3% of earners, which is about $3,000 of income there, talking about inflation, Dr. Hattier. And that was taking from the richest 1% tax. Now, you're looking at some states now, and they're giving more than 50% of their income to federal or state governments. You can tell me that's, and you can't tell me that hasn't gotten out of hand. You have to start to look at these things. And again, talking about inflation, I, I, I might have this wrong, but to my understanding, they're talking about a 3% raise for admin and teachers. Well, let's just look at what we put on the administrators this year. And they did a lot more than 3% of their duties from the year before, but the core CPI, or the CPI went up 7.5% year over year. And that means that they are losing purchasing power, okay? If they had a $100,000 salary, they now are gonna get $103,000, but that does not require, or does not purchase what they can get to just keep up with inflation. Also, I want to tell you that 7.5% is the CPI excludes food and fuel. Why? Because those assets are too volatile. Well, where has food and fuel gone in the last two years? Okay? Um, and the government likes to keep that number low. Why? Because it aligns with Social Security and the other government benefits. So if they're telling us 7.5%, it's a lot higher. So if we're going to sit here and say we're only going to give a 3% raise, we are basically saying we don't care about providing for those people. But then look back at that. Where do those things come from? It comes from government policies that have reckless spending. We need to start to arm ourselves with our constitutional rights. I recommend that all of you read the U.S. Constitution and the Delaware State Constitution, because I talked about this last time. Our Delaware State Constitution still says you need to be 21 years old to vote in this state. 15 seconds. There you go. And I'll finish here. It also tells you need to be able to read that state constitution in English. I'm not saying that's good or bad policy. That's what our Delaware State Constitution says, and we need to start operating under it. Thank you. He missed the point, okay? And that was in 1913 when Woodrow Wilson signed that, he specifically stated, and so did Congress, that this tax will never reach the general population. That's correct. How well did that work out? 
Not at all. Thanks for keeping it under three minutes, Doc. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Anything come before the meeting? Meeting adjourned. <laughs>